Hello everyone, this is Myra with Holly Pulley's Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga Podcast. It's really good to be with you and I really appreciate hearing from you through our private Facebook group, Flow with Ayurveda and Yoga, or by email. It's really inspirational for me. You know, I had somebody tell me just recently about learning how to eat and live with Ayurveda in new ways. You know, has changed their lives so much and it changed the lives of their children because they were able to have a regular schedule and everybody was sitting down to eat together. She said it just made everything much sweeter. You know, many of us are spending more time at home. You know, being restricted can feel frustrating, but the situation can also be seen as an opportunity to not only slow down, but to pause and reflect and come back to what's most important in life. How you see things is really a question of how your mind is functioning, which you can have control over with the tools of Ayurveda and yoga. And this is why we're taking a look at mental health from the Ayurveda and yoga perspective this year. The current difficulties can actually present us with an opportunity to release our old constraints in the mind and to create a new way of being. It's really an opportunity to rise, to spiral up in life. To understand how your mind works, the starting point is to see yourself as a holistic being. The tendency from an allopathic standpoint is to isolate this aspect of ourselves and not consider the relationship between the mind, the body, and the spirit, and nature. Not to mention what we expose ourselves to each day. Viewing something in isolation is incomplete, and it gives an incomplete understanding, which makes true healing and transformation a real challenge. The holistic perspective considers that everything within us affects everything else within us. We can't just do one thing in our experience and not expect it to have some degree of effect on everything else about us. For a long time, when people talked about good health, they were thinking only of the body. It actually used to be taboo to talk about mental illness and and so no one talked about anything to do with mental health either. It was just assumed you were mentally healthy. Unless, of course, you weren't. And then your option was to live apart from society. You know, talking openly about mental health or addiction didn't really happen in, in the United States anyway until the late 80s, as I recall. And then into the 90s, there was a big movement to let go of the stigma that it's a moral weakness. And this has really given us much more freedom to address the problems that we have. And the first step in healing is to become aware, recognize it for what it is, and then to have a different response as soon as you're able and this brings us to the topic for today. One of the most common mental health challenges of these times is disordered eating. So what's considered disordered eating? It's a relationship with food that's not functioning in a life-giving way. It's when food has 
stopped being about nourishment and connection to nature and has become a source of worry and frustration, obsession and constraint. It's when food becomes a prison. Some examples of disordered eating patterns are thinking about food constantly, restricting food, constant dieting, emotional eating, and more entrenched behaviors like binging, purging, bulimia, or anorexia. I see clients with disordered eating patterns so often in my practice. People who are completely exhausted by their broken relationship with food. And many people do resolve the issues they're experiencing because they accept their starting point and then decide inside to see themselves differently. Our perspective is everything. It's where we're pointing our energy. So let's take a look at disordered eating through the lens of Ayurveda and yoga. First, there's a great deal of misconception about food and true nourishment due a great deal to the commercialization of food. There's so much information about this food and that food and what it's going to do for you or not do to you. you know, for example, avocados, which are a great food, they have suddenly become a superfood. So people are eating more of them. And from the perspective of Ayurveda, more is not better. The right amount of something is what's best. Now think about that for a moment. How is that for you? Too much of anything is going to cause a problem, and often the problem you are trying to solve. These days, people are eating large amounts of turmeric and taking turmeric in all kinds of forms. Well, turmeric has been around for thousands of years, and it's a wonderful thing to cook with, and we do use it medicinally some, but pouring lots of it into your body, it'll cause more imbalance. A related issue is breaking foods down into their constituent components without considering the impact of the whole and the condition of the person that's consuming the food. Take chocolate for an example. Some say that it's good to eat because it has all of these vitamins and minerals, yet what's not considered is the stimulation from the caffeine or sugar, and this is going to disturb the mental balance particularly in someone who's already overstimulated by other forms of caffeine, screens, multitasking, doing too much, or eating hot spicy foods. This is the issue with considering what comes out of a laboratory with a limited view of the effects in total. Sometimes in science, cause and effect is examined with the caveat of ceteris paribus, all other things being equal. In other words, the impact of the environment isn't considered because it's simply too much to integrate reasonably in a study of a minute detail. Fair enough, but results shouldn't be taken as applicable in all situations because everything else is a factor and outcomes will vary depending on the environment. In Ayurveda, we look at two factors in particular when it comes to food. 
Does it offer any life force or prana to me? And am I able to digest it? Important to remember. Eating food that's low in prana, the life force, or not being able to digest food well means that you can be eating and do all the things that have been deemed as healthy things, but seeing no real change in your health. And sometimes the health gets worse. And then there's frustration. And the best intentions for health then fall apart. And then we develop disordered eating patterns. Another key factor here is programmed dissatisfaction with ourselves, which is highly influenced by the media and social norms. This starts early in childhood when characters and toys and movies give a particular impression of how we should be. And then many of us carry this into adulthood, thinking we need to be and meet a particular standard. And if we don't live up to this image, we hold on to, often unconsciously, these impressions. And then the dissatisfaction cultivates more disconnection from our true self. Yoga teaches us about the cause of spiritual disconnection, the five kleshas, or the five afflictions in Sanskrit. The kleshas are part of the human experience. They play out in many ways that often will cause us tremendous suffering and a reduction in the quality of our living. Now, being aware of these afflictions is helpful in understanding the mind and why we do things that go against our well-being. The first of the kleshas is avijja, which you can think of as misunderstanding or ignorance, not knowing. This has us look for short-term pleasures without considering the long-term consequences. For example, I don't like what I'm feeling, so I binge to try to change how I'm feeling. Or, I'm going to skip lunch today because I ate too much yesterday. Or, I only have a very small meal. So this comes from not knowing about or not understanding cause and effect. It comes from a disconnection from our true knowing of ourselves. And this causes us suffering. You know, we develop specific patterns and attachments in the mind as a result of the disconnection and attempting to deal with the discomfort. And then eating becomes part of the problem. Often it's because it appears that it's something that we can control. Avijja, or this illusion then, leads to distortion of the ahamkara, the ego. The ego gets caught up in stories and beliefs and patterns. It gets caught up in being right or being a victim and doesn't allow things to change. Seeing the world exclusively through the ego leads to rag, which is attachment and addiction. Addiction to certain foods, certain eating patterns, amounts of foods, stuffing or starving ourselves at every meal, 
the rag will cause more pain and suffering in our bodies and in our relationships. We become rigid or inconsiderate to ourselves and to others. And then this is the klesha of devesha or aversion. Aversion to certain foods, aversion to the process of eating, aversion to being kind and loving to ourselves, aversion to ourselves. We get caught up in our distorted motives. Things like trying to change our bodies, trying to feel in control. Wanting to feel right. Wanting to feel right about being less than others. These aren't life-giving, but they're rather focused outside of us on the material plane. And it really completely forgets who we truly are. It leads to feelings of emptiness. And then we try to fill ourselves with food to avoid that feeling. Or we attempt to exert excessive control around food so that we can feel in control in our lives. And all of this keeps us in our head thinking rather than being present in life. Our perception of life and ourselves really becomes skewed And we lose out on a lot of life in the process. You know, the last of the kleshas is abhinivesha, which is the fear of death. We all have some of this. We came for a human experience and want to have it. Even though we may sometimes feel like we'd like to run away from it. (laughs) I've certainly felt that way at times in my life. But when we realize there's so much more to us than the body and the stuff on the outside, then we can bring ourselves into the experience of life. And this is what we learn to do with the practices of Ayurveda and yoga. How to be fully in life, in relationship with yourself, with others, and the divine intelligence within us and that's all around us. Phew. We've covered a lot of ground. I know it's a lot to digest, and perhaps some of it resonated, and perhaps some of it was a bit scary. And maybe you even feel a little bit overwhelmed by the weight of it. But if you can take one thing away from what I've offered today, let it be this. Food is meant for nourishment and connection to nature, and to yourself. Consider that it's the opportunity to connect with divine intelligence in the plants and to honor our bodies as an incredible temple of the soul. Food is to support us in the experience of life as a human being. So food is meant to be a large part of our mental health and not contribute to mental illness. And with the tools of Ayurveda and yoga, we can be empowered through our choices and and our responses in life, rather than feeling imprisoned by them. And we can learn to look for the sweetness in life and enjoy being satisfied with the present rather than living in our heads. So this changes our whole view of ourselves and the process of life. 
So if you know you're ready for change, this is your starting point. So what's needed is your shraddha, your faith in your divine self that you can change, that you can make the changes you'd like to have. And you don't have to do it alone. We have a powerful online program coming out very soon called Heal Your Relationship with Food. You know, it lays out all of the steps that you need to break harmful patterns and truly experience food freedom. Stay tuned to our social media channels for the program release or visit our website at hollypule.com. That's H-A-L-E-P-U-L-E dot com. Until next time. In Ayurveda, we understand that we each have a unique constitution. Halipule's tridoshic approach is ideal for families and supports multiple constitutions. You can cultivate sattva in cooking, knowing that you're making meals that support everyone's constitution. Subtle adjustments may be required, but it doesn't need to be a stress point. To learn our tridoshic approach to create nourishing meals, join simple Ayurvedic cooking with Halipule. The recipes are easy, delicious and will leave you feeling energized. And the link to join is in our show notes.